from grain to glass, this show is dedicated to helping you make the best beer possible. So strap in and hold on to your mash tons. We're Homebrew Bound. Welcome to Homebrew Bound. I'm Casey. And I'm Miles. And he's a little behind it today. It, you know. Usually I'm the tired one, but this week Miles drew the short straw. I, I drew the short straw, yes. So, Miles, uh, what have you been up to this past week? Or I guess two weeks now. Is it two weeks? No, we, one, we did a show a last half. week. Okay. One and a half. Uh, we, things r- start running together for me. Well, I had this thing on Saturday. I had people over. We drank some whiskey and beer, played some card games. Yeah, it was pretty fun. Yeah. It's a good time. You were there, right? I, I was there. I was there for a bit. Um, Eric was super drunk. See, the sad thing is, is that's not the drunkest he's been. Yeah, I, I'm sure it has, it's not the drunkest he's been. He was just very intoxicated that evening. I think he was also just really tired at that point. It could be. Could Dude, be. tired and drunk makes for loopy. Yes. Yes, it does. But uh, it was it was fun. We uh, we did a side-by-side of Lightspeed and my clone. Yes. Or my, well, my failed clone, I guess. I wouldn't call it failure, failed because it was, a, well, okay, so you didn't quite have the original hops you intended yes. on it. But I will say, uh, for a f- you can't fail at, from a first try. Yeah, I, well, you can, you can come close. I think I came close. As close as I could without the right hops and without knowing the recipe. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they clearly had the same same sort of things going on. Uh, your color was a little bit off, though. That's easily fixable, but, yeah, I mean, the rest of it was really kind of there. Yeah, I think so. I, th- I think it was very close, and I'm very like, it turned out to be a very good beer that I that I think I'm going to add to my house rotation. Uh, you know, for good reason. It's it's super easy drinking, and it's I have no delicious. idea what you're talking about. <laughs> As Miles downs his second glass of the morning. It's 9.30 in the morning, and he's two glasses in. No, this is just really, really late at night for me. <laughs> I got done with work six hours ago. <laughs> well, you got six hours of sleep. We're good. And you know what? I went back, and I had another bottle of the Beer Thousand. Beer Thousand. That was the dogfish head. Oh, okay. I wasn't a fan of that that night. Um, we decided a whole bunch of reasons to hate on it, and I think one of the biggest problems we had with it was that we had other things with it. It's possible. Um, I'm not saying it's a great beer. I'm just saying it ha- it really does kind of have its own identity, as weird and unusual as it may be, that I can see just being easily screwed up by having drank anything else. Hmm. Okay. So, I mean, it's at least worth trying again once. I, you know, I if if it's offered to me, I will try it, but I don't think I will go out of my way to find it. Mostly because I I've just been so disappointed with Dogfish Head. Yeah. Uh in general that and that I mean, that's a personal thing. It's nothing against them. It's totally me. I because I had them built up in my head so much. They, and they then, have a hype train behind them. Yeah. And so it, it it was it was the hype train that got me. It it happens, and you know I also went back and had uh, their one twenty minute IPA. Uh, ultimately fantastic, but I do not think it's worth the money you end up having to pay for it. Okay, I, I mean, like to make the beer, clearly the beer has to cost that much because of what goes into it. But what you get 
doesn't have the same value in my mm-hmm. opinion. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it makes okay. sense. Yeah, so that, I mean, I guess I'm kind of, I, I love Dogfish Head. I really do. Fanboy right here. Um, That's me, I, I, there's there's breweries I fanboy about pretty hard, so. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. Right. <laughs> I, know, I love so you guys I, three sheeps. Yeah. So I, I really am looking to try and take a step back and try and come back at them with a uh, much more, you know, sound mind. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Cool. Um beer wise in my world, not a whole lot uh is going on. I I stopped by our well, I I got my tickets for the beer fest. Nice. Woo, beer fest. Got to love a beer fest. I'm so excited. Is that it's... what you're going to know or? No, no, uh beer fest is uh in April. Okay. Uh last last weekend in April. Uh going to beer fest and then 2 weeks after that is the spring uh festival at pitchfork nice and so that will be awesome again i talked i stopped at pitchfork last night and was talking with mike about some of the uh beers and he hasn't he hasn't announced these and i don't know if i'm allowed to but i'm going to anyway oh uh at beer fest he is doing a firkin of a barley wine yeah uh on oak chips on 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 smoke on smoked oak chips that he's smoking himself Oh my god! Yeah, so that should be awesome. You're, you're talking about my favorite <laughs> style. I know, right now. I know. And then at the Spring Festival, uh, they're doing their Sugar Shack Maple again. Okay. Which phenomenal lager. It's it's a, I don't remember what the base beer is. Um, I want to say it's like a Doppelbach or something that they put a uh just a ton of maple syrup in. And it comes nice. out just amazingly well. Nice. Uh, they have that. They have a raspberry por- porter that they're doing, which should be pretty good, like a raspberry chocolate porter. Interesting. Um, and then prominent raspberry or more subtle? They usually go with a more subtle I uh, think fruit that flavor. Would be better. Yeah, and, and almost all of their beer, all of their fruit beers, like especially like their pumpkin and like all of their all of their spice beers, I guess. Okay. Uh, they they back off with the it's it's a beer first. And then it has so these flavors it, it, in it. It's like uh, beer with fruit, not a fruited beer. Yes. Okay. Yep. I, in my opinion, that's a very important distinction. And it is. When it's huge. Commercially, it's not the same as what the beer is. I get upset. Yeah. I I really do. Like yeah. you in the improper glassware, me in this. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. No, so uh, yeah, and then there, there's a third one that they're doing, but that I that I don't remember. So it should be just a really good time. Oh, good. Uh. Yeah, so you you might have to come to that one. I you know, as of right now, I am mentally planning on being able to. Between now and then, stuff may happen <laughs> that I can never account for. Yep. Um, let me know. Uh, are there tickets to that thing? Uh, yeah, there, there there will be tickets. Uh, it's usually if you if you buy ahead, uh, if you if you buy beforehand, it's ten bucks, and that gets you your glass and your first pour, and then it's five bucks a pour after that. Okay, we'll we'll talk after the show. Yeah. But oh I, yeah. I definitely want to try and get my lips into this. Yeah. No. It's 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 fun. I don't. Have you been up to Pitchfork yet? I don't. You haven't. I have not. Oh man. That's been yeah. That's just been how things have been rolling for me. Finally starting to change. Like you know, like I'm saying. Well, that and, and the lack of wheels doesn't help because it's no, in Hudson. No. And then you always kind of like do these things, and I only find out after or like six weeks ahead of time that. <laughs> Six, only six weeks ahead of time. Right, right. <laughs> That's not enough time. 
No, but by then you've already have this whole thing planned. And yeah, etc. Well, I try to plan things uh, you know a month or so out. And- it's a good habit. I have lived most of my life with. Uh, I don't make my own plans. People yeah. usually try and make plans with me, and it's a first come first serve basis. <laughs> and I do occasionally run into the problem where I double book myself. Oh, I've done that. Oh yeah, it's not fun. Having but then I started like you, you got you got the smartphone now, Miles. Miles finally joined the uh, the the world of the living and has a smartphone, so he can use that calendar to book in his beer tasting. <laughs> I'm I'm also on Untapped again. All right. Aha. No. Uh, the other thing I was going to say is uh, what I normally end up doing is I only ever half commit to things, and then I go and talk to the right people to make sure I'm not committed to something else. Yeah. But I will say I'm actually pretty good about getting back to either fully commit or yeah. Not. Oh yeah. No. For sure. So that's been that's been me for a long time. Yeah. Girlfriend hates it. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, no, that's that. Those are my beer plans coming up, which no, not nothing terribly exciting as of right now. But once once the end of April comes and the weather will be nice, yes. and oh, man. it decided to get stupid cold again recently. That's okay. It's going to be fifties next week. Oh, thank God. Did you? Yeah, no. Uh, we're looking at uh, it's like fifty four, fifty nine, something like that on uh, Tuesday, Wednesday next week, and then we're dropping back down into the thirties. But is that a brew day? Uh, well, it's a Wednesday, it's a Tuesday, Wednesday, so it's a work day. Oh, I suppose. (laughs) All right. Uh, well, that kind of just covers our intro. Why don't we dive into the meat of the episode? Segway. Well, well, segways are stupid, so. (laughs) All right. Uh, the basis of base malts. Yay. The basis of base malts. Did you, how long did it take you for you to work that out, Miles? Well, Surprisingly, in my stupor, like 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> what should I call this segment? Man, I don't know. <laughs> I was Okay, so I was trying to figure out if I was going to use like basis or the See, basics. You, 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 know what the, you know what the better uh, title would have been? What's that? Baseball Basics. This is why you own and I just own. <laughs> I'm changing that right now. <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah, so I figured today we could... Because uh, in the long run, I've kind of wanted to talk about how to write your own recipes. Okay, bef- and we've touched on bits and pieces of that, yeah, but, but we haven't. Um, and and I want to be able to go at it from a very technical design and less of a creative one. Okay, so that you can like really engineer a solid recipe. For okay. example, anyways, oh, uh, before we, but I, this this just came to me, and I don't want to forget this. Uh, Stone, uh, since they're retiring their the Stone Pale Ale, they released the homebrew recipe. Oh, oh my god! Yeah, I'm I'm gonna while while you're talking, I'm gonna look it up quick. Okay. Anyways, I figured uh, to build up to that, we would start talking about a lot of the grains and their use in beer and what better way to start than with base malts yeah that's that makes sense i think they do not get um the proper consideration always they really don't uh granted it doesn't always need it but sometimes it could yeah okay so anyways what what do you know about how base malts are made from like field 
to okay so so uh okay so from field to mash then first you go and you thresh your grain uh, okay out in the skip, field skip the obvious <laughs> thing, too. all right so once once you have your grain uh it goes through the malting process which is where you um like if you're doing it at home this the i don't know about commercial malting uh i know about like on the home scale sure. you lay it you lay it out on the on the ground and you you spray it with a bottle of water keep it kind of moist yep. but not 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 damp, moist. Yes. There's if if that makes sense. Like you don't you don't want it to be wet, you just want it to be slightly You want it to be wet, you don't want it to be puddling. Yes. Uh and you you do that until it starts to uh sprout. Yeah. Um until you start seeing the endosperm. Right? Yeah, that's yeah. the that's the word. Okay. And then and then you kiln the malt. Yes. Uh and that and that kills it. Uh but basically you let it sprout because that that's what starts to get the right sugars and things. It unlocks um, all of the starches and primarily the enzymes. Yes, Because basically what you're doing is that you're bringing it from seed to plant. And, I mean, that's basically what the malting is. You let it start growing, but then you stop it really, really, really early in the process so that these things exist, but they're not used up by it becoming a plant. Yet. Yes. So. All right. So yep. Then then once you once you've uh, kilned it to your proper to wherever you want to kiln it to, because I mean you can have darker base malts and lighter one, and there's different base malts and stuff. Yeah. But you don't. I mean you don't want to overcook them because then you get into specialty malts. Yes. So that segues really nicely because segues are stupid into question two. What are Arguably, the six base malts that can be used for beer. The six base malts that can be used for beer. Yes, and the six is what is arguable, and and uh, we'll go through the list, and then we'll argue about them later. Okay. Uh, will you, I guess are we talking about? So if if I said American and British two row, is that one or two? That's one. That's one. Okay. So two row. Yep. Six row. Yep. Um. Then you have, I guess, you could use Maris Otter as a base, but that's just another version of... Yeah, I was going for... I guess I'm not... Well, I'm not, okay, I guess Pale. Okay. Uh, then there, believe it or not, there's Pale Ale Malt, which is different from Pale Malt. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pilsner. Uh, mild Ale. And so those ones are pretty, pretty standalone. And then there's Vienna and Munich. Okay, so those, that those those were the okay. Those would be the ones that you could have an argument about. But for the purpose of uh, today, they fulfill the requirements of what it needs or of what defines a base malt. Okay. So and what defines a grain as a base malt? Uh, it'd be the uh, the ability to. Or excuse or, me, what defines a malt as a base malt? Okay, well. Any malt that has the enzymes that we're looking for could be a base malt, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, basically, it has the enzymes for conversion. Right? Yes. yes. Yeah, I, I, I guess I worded the question wrong. Uh, let's see. If you were to build a recipe, what are the characteristics of the base malt within the recipe? Oh, uh, well, it's going to make up the majority of your beer, yes. of, of your grist. Um, it's It's going to contribute some flavor, but not overwhelming amounts of flavor. Uh, it, um, it's well, I mean, the that, base for the flavor to stand yeah. on outside of certain styles. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not going to add a whole bunch of color. 
Nope. Um, most of your, especially if you're using, you know, pills, two-row, stuff like that, those very light SRMs, you get all your color from any specialty malts that you add. Uh, that's, I mean, that's the big, those are the big that, things. That's pretty much it, and I guess these kind of go hand in hand. Uh, it's responsible for the content of fermentable, or the alcohol content or the fermentable sugars okay. in your recipe, but that also kind of goes hand in hand with the fact that... Uh, it makes up 60 to 80% yeah. of your recipe, and then for some styles, up to 100%. Yeah. All right. Uh, so let's consider the pale and the pale ale malt. There are two categories, and and this is what you were saying first in, in question two. Uh, what are the two different categories uh, of barley, and how do they differ? Uh, you, you have two-row and six-row. Yes. How do they differ? Yes. And two rows more delicious and gets better conversion. That's what I found anyway. I like the taste of two row better. I don't know. I I, I don't. I honestly don't know what the diff, why, why they're called. I think it's something to do with how they look on the on the stock. Yeah, literally. Uh, the the term two row and six row comes from. It's like if you look down the stock from the top view, two row barley has just two. You know, one coming off either okay. side. Six row has six. six. Okay, and um. How they differ? Uh, you said two row tastes better. I, I do. I personally like the it, taste of two row. It, it is. I mean, it just has the basis for lending superior flavor, and okay. that's not to say that six row tastes bad. Um, it's just different. It, it it is different, and the other way it differs is that it, it's very high in enzyme content, and can therefore handle a whole lot of starchy and add. Uh, starchy grain adjuncts. Which one can? Six row. Six row can. Okay. Uh, and that's why. So you use see six row if you're using a wheat and a lot of wheat. A lot of wheat, like fifty percent wheat, fifty percent pills. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why you see commercial. It's also cheaper. Yeah. Uh, and that's why you see commercial brewers use it. So like Budweiser, for example, I think is like sixty percent rice. Yeah. Which is a lot of adjunct, you know, starchy adjunct, and because of the enzyme content of six row, it is the superior choice between the two for the for the recipe that they choose to have, which is how they can use so much rice and end up with something so clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just an example. Um, and it's also very high in protein, which can cause chill haze unless you lo- use a lot of low protein ingredients in addition to that. Okay. Uh, which is also why you don't see. All right, sorry. Which is also why you don't see home brewers using six row because of the high protein and the potential for protein haze. Okay. Or excuse me, chill haze. That and two row just has superior flavor in general. All right. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Uh, So what is the difference between pale and pale ale malt? Do you know? Do I know? Um... And to be specific, I think pale ale malt is uh UK in origin. Yeah, uh man, I I want to say it has to do with the roast, doesn't it? With how much it's uh, that's part of the answer. Okay. And the the bigger answer is more historical and less significant today. Let that be a hint. Do you... It's more historical and less significant today. Today. Okay. Then What oh, what man. has changed for grains? Over the last couple of decades, a lot, an insane amount has changed with grains. What? Okay, but 
Uh, they. It starts with M. Oh God! I know. Th- Let's just say it. Modification. Yes. Modification. God. Why couldn't I remember that? It was. I. I knew what it was. I just couldn't. Because <laughs> we've talked about it on the show. Uh, specifically dealing with Pilsner malt, yep. where you used to need to do all these decoctions. Yep. Because they wouldn't modify properly. Yes. Or, or as well, but now with modern pills, you don't need to do decoctions as much. Yep. Uh, so historically, pale ale pale ale malts uh, were more highly modified, a thing that doesn't mean much anymore because everything is very highly modified mm-hmm. these days. Um, today, the biggest difference is in color and enzyme content. Okay. Uh, the enzyme content not being enough for you to care about on a homebrew level. Okay. So it'd be like the difference between if you were to have uh, perfectly comparable mashes for pale versus pale ale, you'd be talking like a point of difference. Okay. So not nearly enough to care about. Um, otherwise, pale malts usually get one and a half to two lavi bond, uh, whereas pale ale is two and a half to three and a half lavi bond. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. So, a brief interjection here. When talking about modification, how do you know a grain is, quote-unquote, modified enough that you don't have to worry? Like, this is generic terminology that gets glossed over in a lot of the reading that I've done over the over the years. How do I know if it's modified enough? Yeah, what do they mean when they say that? I don't know. What do they mean, Miles? They mean that you can get full conversion with a single infusion mash. Okay. So... Um, I'm just kind of throwing in that in there because um, that's kind of like the basis for what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm gonna be re- referencing that from here on out, and then just in general, uh, that's what we mean. Uh, before you couldn't do a pilsner without decocting because you you know because it wasn't modified enough, and you couldn't convert itself with only itself. Yeah. Uh, without doing these special steps, and now you can do it with just single infusion, which is what most homebrewers do. Makes sense. Yeah. All right, so Pilsner malt. Why and how is it different than the base malts already discussed? Because it comes from Pilsen. No. Well, yes, but no. (laughs) It doesn't mean as much as you want it to. Why is it different, Miles? I asked first uh, because well, so it. I don't know. I I know that it has a uh, a lighter. It's it's lighter than your than your ale malt. Yes. It it offers a uh. It's, it's a, there's a very distinct flavor to pilsner malt. It's crisp. Uh, it's yeah. It's it's crisp. It's dry, and that that lends itself really well to lagers. Um, but I don't know. I no, in the, I, the 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 malting process itself. I. I have known nothing, next to nothing about. Uh, the malting process is virtually identical for all grains across the board. It's the kilning process uh, that usually defines the differences. Uh, this one is kilned slightly less than the pale and pale ale, uh, which makes it slightly less modified, technically, but not enough for you to care again. Mm-hmm. Um, it does give that crisper flavor. Uh, you can use a 100% grist of Pilsner malt. Yeah, and get a really nice Pilsner. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and then just kind of a side note, there's really no benefit in trying to use Pilsner in anything that's going to be too dark because any of the particular characteristics you'd want to put in a beer 
with Pilsner malt gets overshadowed by anything that I like using. Uh, I like, like I like using Pilsner if I really want to bring out uh, the character of another malt. Okay. Um, so if if I'm do like my standard wheat beer is fifty percent pills, fifty percent wheat. That's that's my standard. Okay. My go to just because it really brings out, especially if I'm using something like red wheat. Sure. When you really want to be able to taste those flavors. Um, you, I, I use pills just because I find it works better and it hides well. You know what? That, that's, I guess, uh, I didn't think about it in my sleepy stupor, uh, but that's actually like the exact opposite side of the coin I was just talking about, I guess, because like, there's no reason, you know, I said there's no reason to use it because you'll never be able to taste it. Yes. And you're saying that's exactly why you can use it sometimes because you won't be able to taste it. Well, and it. especially if you're doing uh say say you want to uh, cuz the best way to learn about uh, how different malts affect beers is to brew beers with those malts. And so what I recommend is when you when you're learning about hops, you do smash beers. You do single, you do uh like, you know, single malt single hop beers where you take a a known quantity like two row Two row or pilsner, and you just load. I I recommend doing two row if you're tra- tasting hops, just because the beer it will stand on its own a little bit better. Yeah, the, the beer is more beery. Yes, uh, and then and that really gives you a nice uh, a nice idea of what the hop will taste like. But if you want to learn about malts, I recommend you use a bunch of pilsner and then some of and then a decent quantity of whatever. So like maybe twenty five percent depending on what malt you're using. Um, like, if you're using crystals, 25% should be fine. I mean, it might be, depending on your, it might be a bit much, so you might want to back it down to about 15. But anyway, and then you use a lower, uh, like, you use a known quantity hop. Like, uh, you know, something that's not going to be overpowering. Like, I would use, like, a Fuggle or... Uh, Six ounces at 60. Yeah, just, just enough to give it the bitterness so you can taste it, so that malt really comes through. Yeah. And that... And that just gives you a nice idea of what that malt will do, because Pilsner will just will just fade to the background and won't affect the flavor of that malt too much. Yeah, especially if you're talking about something darker. Yes, like the higher crystals or anything darker than that. Yeah, and it's just it's it's just a nice way to figure out what that malt will taste like. Sure, especially if you have a bunch of time and you want to do you know a bunch of smaller batches of beer. Like this this is the perfect opportunity to use Miles's stupid one gallon batches. <laughs> <laughs> because you the beers are not going to be fantastic. Any of these beers that you make are not going to be mind-blowing beers. Um but they are going to give you an idea of what that malt will do. Educative, experimental yes. and awesome. Yeah. But they're they're not something you're going to want to drink 5 gallons of. No, probably not. All right. Uh Mild Ale how do how do these differ from our previous examples? Have you ever worked with mild ale? I have not. No, I I have um, from recipes with Eric, and I don't think he gave this the kind of appreciation it deserved. I don't think he was treating it like a base malt. I think he was trying to treat it as a specialty grain. Yeah, and I don't know if it's good enough to be a specialty. Yeah. Or, he was trying to, uh, he was he. I think he has a tendency to do that with some stuff. Like he was trying to uh, in my pale ale. His idea was to bump the golden promise up yeah. to uh, like to like sixty percent of the beer or something, okay, and drop the two row down. And I'm like, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Like, I like the Golden Promise. There could be a bit more of it in there, but... I, I understand the flavor of Golden Promise, and, he, and I was telling you last week that I think that if I was going to change your beer to my personal taste, that I would have knocked it back a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how Golden Promise would stand by itself. Can it? I don't know if it can. I'd have to do some more research on Golden Promise. Fair enough. Um, No, but uh, Mild Ale is killed slightly higher than anything else we've talked about yet. It gives color 3.5 to 4.5 Lavi Bond, and it gives a, a roasted, slightly sweeter, and fuller flavor. Uh, which is perfect for mild ales because they're lower ABV and they just kind of don't need a whole lot mm. else. Uh, the problem with trying to make a mild ale with pale malt is that any other, you know, like crystals, crystal malts that you would want to put in with it, end up being more powerful than the style wants. Yeah. And so you would substitute by having this, uh, this mild ale grain, which has weaker flavor by comparison. I should experiment with some of this because a good British mild is always Yeah, no and and I didn't necessarily know this before today and I'm like I want to try yeah, it. I'm I'm really excited for the warmer weather so we can brew some more. I know oh, cuz I be I'm just I'm fabulous. I'm very opposed to standing out in the cold for 4 hours. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I agree with you there. <laughs> All right. Um, well, we should probably wrap up here because I still want to read that stone recipe, and we're bumping up against a half hour. Fair so, enough. So uh, let's let's pound through the what you have left. And well, this was going to be the argumentative phase with Vienna and Munich. Oh, um, well, why don't we save that for next week? Okay. Why don't we do uh, malt uh, part two next week? I will, and I'll start like introducing caramel crystals or something. Yeah, yeah, we can we can do the argumentative phase, and we can start diving into uh, specialties. All right, sounds good. All right, all right. So, here's the story behind them doing this. So they're they're uh, retiring the Stone Pale Ale for some reason. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, and then somebody on their Facebook page suggested that they open source the recipe so that the beer can live on forever. Sure. And Stone li- Stone's like, you know what? That's not a bad idea. I like open sourcing. Right? It's it's fantastic. So um, do you want the... Here, I'll give you the percentages first, and then I will give you the five-gallon recipe. Okay. All right. So we're looking at 87% uh, North American two-row, uh, 10.5% uh, s- uh, six, uh, Crystal 60, Two and a half percent, crystal seventy five, um, and then we have what is it? Uh, Columbus point uh, one seven one pounds per barrel of Columbus uh, at ninety minutes. Point um, three pounds per barrel atonum at ten, and point four six pounds per barrel atonum at zero. And then using uh, White Labs WLP. Uh, 007 dry English ale or WLP 002 English ale. Um, and then your starting gravity should be at uh, 1057 or 14 Play-Doh, and you're shooting for a final gravity of 1014 or 3.5 Play-Doh. Ferment at 72 degrees Fahrenheit. Now for some numbers that make a little bit more sense. Thank you. Uh, 10 pounds, uh, 7 ounces of 2-row. 1 pound... Uh, 4.2 ounces of Crystal 60, 4.8 ounces of Crystal 75, uh, 0.44 ounces of Columbus at 90, um, 0.77 ounces of Autonom at 
uh, was that 30? 30. And uh, 1.19 ounces at uh, Flame Out. And they also recommend throwing in some uh, Irish moss in there as well. And then use one package of White Labs WLP-007 or WLP-002. Um, and then, oh, uh, one cup plus three tablespoons of uh, DME, of light DME. Nice. Interesting. I have never worked with a tonum, I don't think. I don't think I have either. It's just not a hop that comes to mind. And I'm surprised that they're using an, an English ale yeast. I guess I, it's been a long time since I have a stone pale. You know, I wonder how much of the yeast character is hidden just by the rest of the beer. Just by the rest of the beer. I yeah. don't know. Well, well, I mean, there's there's not a whole lot of IBUs here. Uh, I mean, well, if I mean, you think about, about it, half an ounce for ninety minutes of only Columbus. Yeah, and that's I mean that's at twelve point nine alpha acids, and you're going to get all of that out. But I mean, what was the flame out? Uh, it was one point one nine ounces of atonum at six alpha acids. See, I think they get. I think they have just enough bitter that the that the rest of the flavor kind of mixes really, really well to make it seem more bitter than it really is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And and I've noticed that with uh, some carbonation levels too that it can that the harshness of the carbonation can mess with your perception of bitterness. Oh, the DME they added for bottling. So ignore the DME. Yeah. No, I figured that. Yeah. I was like, why is this on here? I don't... <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, fairly simple recipe. I think it'd be fun to try to brew someday. Um, but some of these numbers are... Man, I well, don't know. Well, they just don't translate to five-gallon batches from a commercial scale all the Well, time. no, 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 it's it's not that. It's just IBU-wise, I'm not... I feel like it should be bitter, more bitter than that. But. Well, We'd have to try it. I mean, yeah, because apparently this isn't our recipe, and clearly they've made good money and time off right. of this beer. Now everyone knows how their money comes from Arrogant Bastard. Uh, well, <laughs> Oaked Arrogant Bastard, that was a good oh, one. Oh, man. There's a there's a solid Arrogant Bastard clone uh, around somewhere that I need to find again. But uh, the Brewing Network tried to do it a bunch of times, and they had Mitch Steele on every time. And he said, if you ever, if they ever got the recipe perfect, he would tell them. And they ne- they tried three or four times and never got it. Do do you, did you compare this to what they've done in the past? I I haven't no I haven't yet, but it's it's on my to do list. <laughs> I'm I'm curious as to how close they got. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, it was Jamil Zanishev and Tasty McDole. They're usually they're pretty spot on when it comes to their palates. So fair enough. All right, guys. Well, that brings us to the end of today's episode. If you'd like to support us, uh, head on over to Patreon.com/slash/BlindNerdStudios or click on the Become a Patron link at the bottom of our homepage. Uh, you can watch the video there, and it'll kind of explain what's going on and read the whole thing there, and you get some nifty rewards. It's a lot of fun. Uh, if you head on over to our homepage and click on the Amazon affiliate link at the bottom page, do your regular Amazon shopping and. Uh, that'll also support us. So, you know, go help us out. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, show ideas, uh, or would like us to taste your homebrew, go ahead and shoot us an email uh, at feedback at blindnewstudios.com, or you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash blindnewstudios, or you can follow us on Twitter at blind underscore ninja. And I think that about wraps it up. So I'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>